Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Own Your Truth. You're currently listening to episode 29 of Own Your Truth, entitled Tips and Tricks for Parents Who Are Considering Homeschooling. I'm going to skip the usual spiel today. If you want more information about me and the stuff that I do, the links are in the description, or you can listen to episode one of the podcasts. So tips and tricks for parents considering homeschooling. I homeschooled my kids before the COVID. Um, I think, let's see, uh, it started out with the twins and um, it was <laughs> kindergarten. We actually pulled them from kindergarten, if you can believe that, because the school that we were um, sending them to was in Belton, Missouri. And at the time, the grade school had five different kindergarten classes. And they had some crazy policy where they let the kids out on the playground for five minutes in the morning unsupervised so the teachers could organize their their schedule for the morning or whatever. So imagine five kindergarten classes outside unsupervised for five minutes. Even though you want to believe that five and six-year-olds are little angels, what was happening on the playground was a series of bullying tactics, um, one in which the kids that were swinging in swings were getting rocks pelted at them. And another example was when they were lifting children up, Um, a whole group of kids would lift one individual child up high as they could, and then they would all just let go. And that kid would just plummet to the ground. And so when we talked to the the school principal about this, um, she actually attacked me and my children saying that my kids weren't perfect. And I wasn't attacking the kids who were doing it at all. I was definitely questioning the mindset behind the administration who thought that that was an okay practice. So we ended up pulling the kids from the school. At this point, it was my twin sons and they were five years old. And we started homeschooling them. I say we, (laughs) it was me. Um, I also had two other small children at home at the time. I had a two-year-old son and I had just had a baby who was about mm, probably three, four months old. (laughs) craziness. I had never intended to homeschool my children. In fact, it was something that I was completely against because I thought that when they go back to school, I start to get a little bit of freedom. Ideally, that's how it's supposed to work. I was going to go back to the workforce and that didn't happen. And so I ended up homeschooling my kids. I did not have a college background. Uh, I did not have any kind of formal education in the way of being an educator. The extent of my studies were high school, and I was in several honors classes in high school. And then being the oldest of four kids growing up, and then the oldest of, I think, 10 kids uh, in as far as family cousins go and having to watch them. So I was well adapted to supervising children and knowing what they needed. But as far as the education part was concerned, I wasn't entirely sure where to start. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that I learned, the tips and tricks that hopefully you might find helpful for you as you and your family travel down this new adventurous road together. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of websites or information for online sources. Every single state has their their own mandated requirements for what is okay for homeschooling. You may have to let the school district that you're in or the state that you live in 
know somehow there might be some sort of a registration or registrar or whatever that you need to contact to let them know that you are going to be homeschooling your kids. Now, this only applies if you're not going through the school district's online courses. There are a lot of schools now who are just taking their regular public school curriculum and putting it online for students. If you're doing that, you're not taking them out of the school district. You're not doing the homeschooling per se as the state would define it. You're still keeping your child in public school. So you have lots of options for curriculum, either through the school district, if that's an option. There's a K-12 dot com or org program that also does the curriculum across most of the states similar to what your school probably requires, if not exactly. I think it actually goes state by state and you can pull the state's curriculum from there. K through 12 or K-12 does um, require some sort of a fee though, so it's not free. There are resources out there that are free as well. When we were homeschooling, the boys and I I did not have them enrolled in a formal program. This was all stuff that we had done on our own. I had picked up some homeschooling books uh, from our library. I even purchased a couple that I felt were just really, really good resources. And a lot of them may be out of date now, which is also why I'm not going to use them as a resource. My kids are, uh, two of them are now in college and two are, are in high school and we're not technically homeschooling them anymore. So... I'm not going to to pull from those, but I will let you know that there are plenty of resources out there as far as where to find curriculum. What we're going to talk about is how to organize your structure and help to keep the kids on focus so that you're not going crazy. It is an overwhelming and daunting task for parents to be with their children 24-7. And on top of that, have to teach them. And it's compiled if you are currently working, whether that's in home or out of home. Now, if your children are of a certain age and they're capable of staying home, homeschooling still can work if you do have to go back to a physical job. And I'll explain that here in a little bit as well. The main thing that you've got to consider with children and staying home is keeping them focused and on task, especially since they're used to being in a structured building where they're forced to do a series of tasks. There's a specific schedule that they've gotten used to. And now when they're at home, home is a different environment. Home is where we relax. Home is where we have fun. It's where the video games are and the refrigerator and the television. And we get to do all kinds of great and wonderful things by ourselves or with our family at home. It's not usually associated with having to be overly structured. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you can maintain both of those and teach your kids how to do better time management. First of all, if your children go to a regular school or have in the past, you realize that if you count up the hours, they're putting in a full work day. Uh, It's usually seven or eight hours a day that their combination of commuting to school and in school that they are, you know, technically that's their job. They're used to putting in a full day and the day for them is broken up into structure Uh, structured time where they're learning into possibly walking from classes or to lunch or to recess. And then you've got the times where they're eating lunch or playing games or doing recess. And this, of course, is for grade school kids. But even junior high and high school kids, there is a lot of time mixed in that seven and eight hours that is 
accumulative of a lot of different things. They might have a study period or a time to work on homework. They might have a lecture time. They might be commuting to and from class. They may have three to five minutes to do that, depending on the size of the school. And then you've got time for for lunch, right? So we are going to talk about how to condense that day because you don't need your child to sit still and to behave and to be in one location for seven or eight hours. I'm actually going to tell you how you can condense how much they have to learn in one day and to make it easier on you and yourself. Let's first talk about the parents that have decided to completely pull their child out of the school district as far as the school curriculum is concerned, and they're winging this on their own. Okay. The first thing that I would say is that you definitely need to incorporate an art of some type into this. And one of them is because it keeps your child creative and it breaks up the monotony of just having to do what we call book work, right? The second thing that I would suggest that you do is try to incorporate the reading, grammar, and spelling into the history, science, or other reading portions of your curriculum. So how do you do that? Let's say that you build your vocabulary list and even vocabulary sentences based off of the reading requirements for your child. So this is easy, really easy to do with science and history because as they're learning things, you can pick the exact sentences from the texts that they are reading, and you want to make sure, of course, that the vocabulary words are appropriate for their age group. They would be anyway if you're pulling them from, you know, texts of science and history that they're learning from. But you would pull sentences specifically or even create sentences that talk about the subject matter and incorporate the vocabulary words that you're already teaching. Now, I call this layering because we're actually putting more than one subject together. And by doing this, you actually increase your child's ability to retain the information. This also saves time because you're not trying to teach, let's say, six different subjects separately. You're actually incorporating them together. So, for example, in this case, you would go ahead and teach your segment on science. And then right after that, you would pull the sentences that your child already read Or you would have them do a word search and say, find the sentences that contain these particular words. These are your vocabulary words for this week. So your child has to go back and reread portions of it to try to find those words and rewrite or identify the sentences. And you can see how this can help them to retain the knowledge because, first of all, it's already already words that they're using in the context of a full sentence. The context clues are already there. In addition to that, they're retaining the science information because they're going over it more than one time. Your child can also start to see the relevance. They will not ask you, why are we doing this? I don't understand this. They will understand it because it's already relevant to the other subjects that they're learning. This also works well if you're giving them a writing assignment, such as doing research or a report. Uh, This is great, too, for older kids. We have, you know, internet access. Hopefully everyone has that for homeschooling because you're going to need it. Either that or, you know, you're frequently able to peruse a library because these resources are totally needed. Um, But let's say you go ahead and assign them a research project and they're supposed to write a report on it. 
if you're able to give them free reign, make sure that you give them, you know, a spectrum uh, of what you're wanting them to look at. Let's say it is an older child. We'll stick with the American Revolution for argument's sake here. You've got a child in junior high or high school and you give them the assignment of I want you to research and write a report based on someone of importance during the American Revolution. Okay, you've set the precedent, but do you see now how that can be both the history assignment and now a English or writing assignment? So for argument's sake here and for simplification, let's say you do this with a history assignment that you create the report or have your child create the report. And then with science, we stick to, you know, finding the vocabulary word. You've just knocked out four required classes that your child may need to have today. Additionally, what you can do is some sort of a block scheduling. You don't have to do every subject every day. You can mix it up a little. That way your child's not overwhelmed and you're not overwhelmed with the time constraint. You might decide to do the four subjects we just talked about two days of the week, and then the other two you focus on a math and an art project. I will throw out Khan Academy here, K-H-A-N. Khan Academy is a great free resource that you can find online if you're having questions, especially with math. I use that a lot with my kids. If I don't understand something, I am going there to get information. So that's a great resource because math is not necessarily my strongest suit. I'm pretty good in geometry and a little bit of algebra, but I don't have much luck in in some of the things that are higher than that, like trigonometry and stuff like that. So Khan Academy is a great resource, not just for math, but for a lot of different things that you might need for your kiddos. Now, the art part is actually pretty darn fun, and you can get really creative with this. You do not necessarily have to have like an entire art studio with all the supplies in order for your child to have an art project. This is as big or as little as you want to make it. Minecraft, for example, is a great way to teach spatial imagery as well as geometry Um, It can be artful in in the form that your child is creating something from scratch. They can build worlds out of, you know, something like Minecraft. And if they have the program already, that's easy. They already love to do it. Give them an assignment. Say, hey, recreate what you think this village looked like during this time period. You've incorporated history with an art class. Now, if you do do something like a a paper and pencil or maybe paint, um, that doesn't take a lot of work for the parents. Usually, you know, the kids can, can do whatever. You can also let them be super creative on their own kind of like an independent study. Ooh, and Ami, son or daughter, with your, your creativity here. This is what I'm giving you. If you find that your child is completely lacking motivation, especially in the art department, this might require you to get a little bit more hands-on with your child. Start looking through picture books and things online regarding different forms of art and different things. Try to find what their interest is I know that modeling clay is sometimes a pretty inexpensive thing to do. You can even make it at home out of flour, salt, and water. There are recipes online for that. Pinterest is also a really great place to find art ideas for you or the kiddos. Making things from knots, you can teach them macrame, origami, folding paper, things like friendship bracelets, jewelry, Maybe they're missing some family or friends. They can make them art projects that they can send to them. 
The art projects are also a good idea, especially if you live in a place where your child's not going to be able to go outside all of the time and you want them to have some free time that's not just on the internet. You can also incorporate life skills into art projects as well. You can bake a cake with your child and then decorate it, and the decorating itself is an art form. The same thing with creating something from a workshop, for example. If you're already an artistic person, it's a good opportunity to teach your child now a little bit about what you like to do for art, and they might pick up a new hobby as well. If your child is musically inclined or you'd like for them to learn a little bit about music, there are all kinds of things, especially on YouTube, of people teaching different musical instruments, especially piano and guitar. Those are fairly inexpensive to pick up and pretty easy to learn as well. If you're able to stay home and do your work, you work from home now, find a way to incorporate your child into being your assistant somehow and teach them a little bit about the workforce, a little bit about what you do, because this is the best opportunity if you're both there at the house for them to learn something about your trade or the system of economics. You can incorporate how to do budgets and spreadsheets. You can teach them computer programs. All you have to do is have the patience to have them sit beside you as you're going through some of these things. And you're going through them, but you're talking out loud as to what your process is. Here's another little tidbit that I learned about homeschooling. There is entirely too much time in the day for kids just to be home. So you're going to have to fill that time with something. And I highly recommend finding things outside of just being online and on the internet or on games all the time because that actually deters them from learning self-discipline and puts them into the mindset of feeling privileged. That is something that if you give and give and give, then first of all, it kind of loses its luster, right? And they don't see it as anything fabulous anymore. But two, then there comes this little piece of entitlement where you start to ask them to do little things around the house and suddenly they're giving you an attitude because, you know, for five weeks now, all they've had to do is a little bit of homework and then they can go into their electronic mode. So this is what I've done with my sons. I worked up a system where they were contributing more to the household. And it depends on where you live and and what your household consists of. But I mean, there's all kinds of household chores. Now, I'm not talking about just giving your child a list of things that need to be done around the house and forcing them to do that. No, I am talking about teaching them life skills. This is also a part of homeschooling. And you as the parent, your first role is to be active in this as well. So not only are you giving your, your child more to do, you're walking them through the process. You're teaching them the appropriate ways to, let's say, clean a sink or scrub a toilet, depending on the age, you know, the chores differ. Um, It could even be that part of the chores is watering the household plants or feeding and watering the cat or dog. It could also be that you decide you're going to start a patio garden or you actually have a garden outside with some, you know, land and dirt. You're teaching your child life skills at this point. It's not just about homeschooling. Take every opportunity you have right now to strengthen your child's character. And so by incorporating them into the chores, they are taking an active role in your family and in your lifestyle. 
And they're learning that they're part of a bigger whole. It's not just them and you. Collectively, you are a family, you are a unit, and you work together to support one another. So let's say, for example, you do homeschooling, and then you tell your child mom or dad has to work from the computer for this many hours now, and I can't supervise you. I can't be here. Would you help me out? I need these things done today. And as a reward, from this time to this time tonight, I will let you have electronic time. That's how that works. And it's very similar to how you get paid for work. You're teaching your child that they're work ethic has a value to it. And when they work hard and diligent, they do a good job, they're rewarded with something that they find of value. We call that their currency. Currency is a strong motivator for children. And it's constantly changing. So that means you have to constantly change and adapt. And what might work as currency for one child may or may not work for your next child, especially if the gender is different, especially if the age is different. Everyone is motivated by different things. You have to find out what your child's currency is. Now let's talk about the parents who have to go back to work physically and won't be there, but their child is old enough to stay home by themselves. You can still do the homeschooling. It's just that there have to be more check systems in place to verify and to make sure that your child, one, is doing the work, and two, that they understand it. If you're comfortable and confident that you can successfully oversee that, then when you come home, or maybe you call in on your lunch break, you're verifying with your child what they've learned for that day and the subject matter that they covered. And you might be able to double check that either physically, that's something they wrote down, or maybe with an online course if you subscribe to that. You're just making sure that they've done the work and that they completely understand it, which means in turn, you also have to be the one that understands it. If you feel like that's outside of your realm of, of capability, either you don't have the time or you don't fully understand what your child's studying right now, then there are systems in place online that can help your child and, and double check his or her work. There are um, tutors that do this. There are also places online you can subscribe, like you're subscribing to the curriculum, for example, and they have you know, possibly online teachers that will answer questions and check in with your student. And you can request that they, you know, check in so often and make sure that your child understands X, Y, and Z before you can continue the program. And checks and balances also have to be into place to make sure that the child is behaving. If it's, uh, you already have a great relationship with your son or daughter and they are staying home by themselves and they're doing homeschooling and you're not concerned that they're doing anything that they shouldn't be, then it's really not too big of a problem. Uh, you will have to check in occasionally and, you know, make sure that everything is still kosher. If you have a child that you're really unsure about their behavior when you're not around supervising them then you will have to put other checks into place. It may have to be a neighbor or a family member that comes by for part of the day. Or I've seen some parents in some cases that put up cameras in their home to verify that their child is where they are supposed to be and are doing the things that they are allowed to do. It is also possible to configure your entertainment settings and your online settings 
restrict certain activities and online searches. And that might be something that you've got to do too. It's usually password protected by whoever is in control of those devices. So what about the parents who have decided to do virtual learning, but through their school district? A lot of the school districts are trying to organize curriculum and times for the kids so that they're not so burnt out on schoolwork all day, every day. They are expecting parents to help out. And again, that's largely based on your child's participation level, their age, and their ability to concentrate. It might be that you need to help the child get through a couple of classes because they're just not used to sitting still. They may battle with ADD or ADHD as well, or even other medical conditions that make it difficult for them to focus. I would like to put a little plug in here for the kids. I understand that this is a very, very stressful and strenuous time for parents. I have been here. I have done this. I understand entirely. But I have also been on the other side of this. And some of you who know a little bit about my past know that I was abused horribly by my mother at the age of seven, and it was largely because I couldn't read. She was supposed to be tutoring me after school because I I just took a long time to read. And so she was supposed to be helping me with consonant, vowels, and blends, and I wasn't getting it. And part of it was that I knew that she was having a hard time with this. I was getting really nervous, and that made the situation worse for me because I wanted to make her happy, but I was afraid she was going to get angry, and that's exactly what happened. So please keep in mind that your children are having a hard time with this too. And there's going to be times that both of you need a break from each other. Please acknowledge that and accept that and find ways that you can both vent, whether it's taking um, a parent-child yoga moment or deep breathing. I taught my children how to do deep breathing a long time ago. Not only does it help with stress, but it helps with respiratory issues as well. So do some, you know, parent-child time where both of you have time to relax, de-stress, maybe take some time to exercise or stretch. It doesn't even have to be together. But the thing is, is you have to understand that your child, this isn't something that they necessarily want to do either. They miss their friends. They miss their teachers. They miss being away from you, believe it or not. They, they love you to death, but the school was the only time that they could be independent of you. That was it. And that's now gone. And so please understand that as much trouble and hard times as you're going through, your child's a little lost right now. And you're not possibly going to be able to understand everything that they're feeling. But be cognizant of that. And when you are having moments of stress or fatigue or anger, do everything in your power to not take it out on the kids. Do not raise your voice. Do not throw things, call names, whatever. Because right now, your child is in this stage where they don't forget anything. And I will tell you that they will not stay children forever. So as an adult and having those memories of your parent doing horrific things to you, it stays with you. And some things are very difficult to forgive and others are impossible to ever forget. So please keep that in mind. You are the adult. You are in control of your behavior and your actions. 
even if the child is not. But it is our responsibility to teach them how to handle that stress, how to handle their emotions. And there are other podcasts that I talk about this as well, especially when we're teaching children acceptance and behavioral issues. There are two more things that I wanted to mention um, before I sign off here. And one of them was to challenge your kids to be creative with their time. And I had mentioned trying to find ways to limit the amount of electronic time and gaming time that they had. What I did with my sons was to give them a bunch of miscellaneous pieces of things. <laughs> um, and of course, you, you've got to take this with a grain of salt because your kids may not be at the right age for this kind of thing. But I would give my kids a bunch of different things. It could be stuff that I was going to recycle. It could be pieces of electronics, whatever. And I would challenge them to make something from that, you know, and it could be most of the time it was anything that they found of interest. Or if I knew their interests, I might suggest something. So for example, we're big Star Wars nuts over here and big into Marvel comics. And so I might suggest, hey, why don't you make um, a costume accessory for this? You know, my son Antonio was big into making lightsabers out of PVC pipes. And now he makes the real lightsabers and he sells those. So what they come up with now as just a hobby, and again, this kind of falls into the art category, but it also overlaps into science, technology, and engineering as well, depending on what it is that they're creating. It could also fall into woodworking and construction if they decide to go more of the metal and wood aspect. So do not discourage your kids from creating things at this time. Just make sure that they have the right place to do it and that it's appropriate for their age group because by encouraging their creativity at this age, they could end up becoming, you know, something fabulous later on. They could be, you know, engineers and scientists later. It's our job to encourage that. The second thing that I wanted to mention was the PE aspect of this. And some of you are going, I don't understand how I'm going to do physical education with my child. We don't have a place to do this. This works out great if you're one of the families fortunate to have a fenced-in backyard or a really close park and you have the free time to go ahead and do that all the time. I'm going to put another plug in here for Pinterest <laughs> um, because there are some great little challenges of at-home workouts that can be done. And kids like to like do jump around and do all of these things. And especially if you can put it to some really great music, maybe they've got some favorite songs that they like, you can create them a little playlist and they can just go at it. And it can even be something in the realm of, of maybe dancing, just something where they need a little bit of space, not a lot of space, and they can jump around a little bit without breaking anything. It, that I mean, there's a lot of lot of great things out there. YouTube also has some really great things on there for fitness and getting in shape at home workouts, especially now during the COVID. There's a lot of people that are foregoing their gym membership just so that they can, you know, be safe. So they're getting creative on ways to work out. So I just wanted to mention those two little things. I hope that you guys found today's podcast informative. If you have any questions about homeschooling or specifics about what to do in a certain situation, I would be happy to answer those. You can email me at Johnson at gmail.com. Brianna is B-R-I-A-N-A. -A. 
I would also love any kind of feedback regarding this podcast or the others that are in the series. Go ahead and send those through email as well or send me a message directly on the platform that you're listening to and I will get that. If you haven't already become a supporter, please do that as well. Your contribution ensures that the podcasts continue. I'm also working on a couple of books that hopefully will be published by the end of this year and money also goes towards helping me get those completed. Until next time, happy homeschooling and own your truth.